You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, let's uh, let's not waste a lot of time. Why don't we get into padded practice number two? Let's go through some of the notes that happened. We'll see how much time is left. We can talk about plenty of other things. First thing, not a ton from Matt LaFleur's press conference, but uh, the one thing definitely worth noting, um, quote via Matt LaFleur here, um, I think we have a good young player right there. I think there's a better tweet here. Ryan Wood, Matt LaFleur says he thinks Packers have a good young player in Carrington Valentine who had a pick six yesterday. Quote, he's extremely athletic, has made those splash plays. I love the way he competes. So I I would be remiss to not mention once again, apparently we do have a coach that's able to give out compliments. But either way, I mean, that is is fantastic. And again, I've still got Valentine, Valentine, just I'd put them next to each other if I could. But they're basically adjoined right now. And I do not know how that's going to pan out. One of the things I want to do very, very soon, maybe we can start it today if we, ha- if we have time. Otherwise, we'll just wait until there's, there's a campless day. I want to start looking at some of these battles and really just, you know, laying out some of the notes. You know, between Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, how many positives, how many negatives, and what were they? I'll probably do this in written form, too, and put it out there um, so that you can kind of see it. But, um, you know, wide receiver. It's a little bit more blurry in terms of the actual competition because I'm I'm still very confident Christian Watson is number one, Romeo Dobbs is number two, Jaden Reed is number three. Although I'm I'm less confident in that Samori Ture could be right there, and then you got Samori Ture, and then you know what is the competition? Well, it depends how many we're keeping. It depends, you know, is Tay Wicks essentially a lock? He probably is, but he hasn't even practiced. You know, the whole thing there. So it's a little bit more weird, but you get what I'm saying. You know, Caleb Jones, Rasheed Walker. I don't even know if that's a battle. They both could make the team, but be good to look at. Valentine versus Valentine. Innis Gaines and Shamar Jean Charles. How about, you know, Jonathan Owens, Dallin Levitt, Tervarius Moore, Anthony Johnson, and Benny Sapp. So I want to get that done real quick, because again, as we're going along now, I'm basically just pumping notes into this, because I, I can't I can't keep in my own brain um, all the positives and negatives. So everybody's pretty much just going to stay there until I have time to really just analyze everything that's been said. Um, the Packers did add a center, so that's, I think I mentioned one yesterday, so that's two centers that have been added. We're going to find out later in these notes that Jake Hansen is dealing with a little bit of something, so maybe we just need bodies. I do find it interesting that we brought in two centers, James Empey and Cole Schneider. Cole Schneider is the new addition today. Might as well just mention the other moves. Chuck Filiaga and Cameron McDonald, the tight end. Um, Filiaga, I believe, was a guard. Both were released. Neither of them, I don't think, had a single note. Some of the only ones that didn't have any notes. In fact, if you want to use that as a metric for who's going to get released next, it's going to be uh, Jason Lawan and Antonio Moultrie. Because those are the only two, with the exception... Oh, and, and Matt Orzich. The only two aside from MP and Schneider. Um, they also brought in wide receiver slash tight end, I guess, Andre Miller. We'll see if we can get a little bit more um, clarification on how the Packers are going to use him, but I have him at wide receiver right now, which... Another position they're really loading up on, you know, you've got uh, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Ture, Tay Wicks, and then you got Heath, DeBose, Watts, Bo Melton, Jadakus Bonds, Cody Crest, who they just brought in, and now Andre Miller. But if you happen to remember the name Cole Schneider, he was with the Packers earlier. He was in camp with us last year. He got let go. He went to the USFL, played for the Stallions at center, and we have now brought him back. We did get Bakhtiari back today. He ended up leaving with an injury. I don't believe it to be a serious one. In fact, I believe somebody said that he was holding his hand. Again, we'll get to that. But we saw him back. He immediately hurt something. And they're like, all right, get out of here. Stop practicing forever. Um, There was a lot more shuffling at offensive line. I think with David Bakhtiari back, it gave them um, a little bit more opportunity to do that. 
Whenever David Bakhtiari is gone, they like to keep Yash at left tackle and Zach Tom at right tackle, despite the fact that I do think there's a very real competition between Yash and Zach Tom. But I don't think they want to have, you know, um, their third string left tackle, Caleb Jones, or, or somebody else playing left tackle. I mean, I guess they could put Zach Tom there, but, you know, they don't want to do that and then give Yash first string right tackle snaps or whatever, I guess. So now that Bakhtiari's back, they switched a bunch of stuff up. So Yash Nyman was a starting right tackle. They gave Zach Tom some starting center snaps, which everybody freaked out about. I guess this is real. This is really happening. And it's like, good Lord, people. <laughs> the amount of people that have had starter snaps is pretty much everybody. And, and, and again, look, the, the bottom line is they're trying to figure out, again, the best five. So if, if the, the question really becomes, you know, I saw somebody today, which I don't necessarily agree with, make the statement, Zach Tom has made the team. It's just a question of whether it's right tackle or offensive center. I don't believe that's true. Right now, the offensive line is Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Zach Tom. What happens if Yash Nyman beats Zach Tom? I think a lot of people are assuming they're just going to give him the center job. No, they are not. As of right now, if Zach Tom loses that right tackle spot, he's not playing on the offensive line. The reason they're putting him in all these different places is because they want him playing somewhere. So they're trying to find a spot, but he's going to have to win it. I know everybody hates Josh Myers, and I don't entirely understand why. Apparently, apparently, my my pleas um, to get people to understand that he is one of the better pass-blocking centers in football, who took a massive jump from year one to year two, especially in pass-blocking, and is going into year three, which supposedly is when people really start to understand the offense. They, they seem to be very quick to say it's, it's just if, if it's either, you know, Zach Tom wins the right tackle spot or Yash wins right tackle and Zach Tom is a center. And I, again... Absolutely not. That is not the case as of right now. It may come to that. And I will say Josh Myers picked the worst possible day to look like trash, which is what he did today. The day your your number one job gets handed to Zach Tom, you run with the twos and play like garbage. I mean, that's that is awful. But but that's what happened. Let's continue. Debose Stokes Wicks Gary Hansen not practicing still. Jordan Love taking snaps from Zach Tom during some drill work. And it's an elbow injury for Jake Hansen. He is on the side doing stretches, but no helmet or anything. Some details about tight end slash wide receiver Andre Miller via Tom Silverstein, a first-year free agent who was cut from the New York Giants last week. Six foot three, two thirty-four. Miller was a wide receiver at Maine, but the Giants switched him to tight end. He lined up with uh, the ERs in early drills. I'm guessing that's wide receivers. WRs. And of course, he has a nine point six RAS. All right, big deep breath. Here we go. We got a lot of one-on-ones going on here. Watson beats Douglas on a slant. Musgrave outraces uh, AJJ, which is uh, Anthony Johnson Jr., and makes a stumbling catch. Dobbs just made an unreal 50-50 grab against Jair. Great play. Bo Melton beats Innis Gaines. Shamar Jean Charles probably pass interference on Heath. Funny enough, there's this play. Shortly after, I think Herman is going to say the same thing. This is two on Shamar Jean Charles, and I, I was pretty sure that this was something that happened before. The, the last three notes over the last two pr- padded practices that I have, I think the only three notes in padded practices that I have from Shamar Jean Charles are pass interference. They, I don't think any of them are called, but he's he just, he just grabbing people. So I probably should just move in his, in his gains up, but... Then I looked at his notes, and they're not super popular, uh, positive either. Davis just beat someone clean, but Clifford airmailed it. Watts beat Thomas. Owens, great coverage, but nice contested catch by Tucker Craft. Jadakiss with a deep catch over Hooper. Some of these names, it's like, wait, who? If you don't know their name, probably because they're not going to be on the team very long. Hooper is William Hooper. He's one of our corners, and I think that was my first note through all of training camp for him. Uh, Samori Ture smokes Nixon deep for a big catch. Musgrave beats AJJ again. Nagler says Yash locked down Lucas Van Ness in one-on-ones, but the second rep was an impressive bull rush by the rookie. Herman says, OMG, Cody Crest with an insane one-handed catch along the end zone sideline in one-on-ones. Wow, Ballantyne, great coverage. I will repeat myself. Cody Crest and Bo Melton have been nothing but impressive the last several days. Cody Crest is one of those guys you pick up and you just kind of chuckle like, oh, good, you are our 10th wide receiver. Congratulations. And Bo Melton, again, I, I knew he was blazing fast. I was surprised nobody really liked him, but I didn't really expect much. I kind of expected everyone to love him, and then he wasn't very good, and everybody gets mad because they wanted him to be on the team. But nobody likes him, and he's just blowing by people. There's going to be plenty of Bo Melton choking here. Plenty of Bo Melton coming up. Romeo Dobbs again in the end zone during the one-on-ones against Jair Alexander. 
Sean Ryan wins his two one-on-ones with uh, wooden, clean reps. Sean Ryan had a great day today. Second list by Andy Herman. Austin Allen, tight, uh, tight end over Levitt. Dobbs beat Jair again. Bo Melton over Innes Gaines to a big cheer. Jaden Reed touchdown. Offense dominating. Shamar Jean Charles pass interference on Heath again. That would be his third out of his three last notes. Davis drops versus Moore. Nixon interception on Samori Ture. And Bonds beats Ford. A little more context on the interception. Keyshawn Nixon picks off Jordan Love during one-on-one. Samori Ture, the intended receiver. Nice play by Nixon to jump it. If you didn't know, it doesn't get better from here. Wes Hotquit says, Devontae Wyatt had a day in one-on-ones. Two reverse pancakes. Sean Ryan had a nice day winning four reps. And Elton Jenkins is the man. Devontae Wyatt is, um, you know, one of the things that, that we could also do is kind of look at who's been the best in training camp so far. He's one of them. For sure, especially after today. Aaron Nagler says, couldn't see the offensive player, but Wyatt just obliterated someone. Bill Huber says, Van Ness with the starters today with Preston. So that's actually a pretty positive development. There's been a pretty heavy rotation, but if you remember, it's been Hollins the whole time. Then it went to Kingsley, and I said, okay, here comes Lucas, and they went back to Justin Hollins. Then the next day they went to Lucas, then they went back to Hollins, and now they're back to Lucas. So actually, even though Lucas was last, He's now been with the starters, I think, two out of the last three days. Maybe it's been out of the last four days, but that would still be 50%. And and now he's been ahead of Kingsley and Igbare, at least insofar as how many times he's been given opportunities with the ones. At least as far as I've seen with the notes. You know, they, they don't necessarily tweet out every single thing. But by my count, Van Ness has been given the starting rep with the starters. Because there's, there's rotation, but there's, when we start, who are the starters? And so, again, I think this is, well, let me just look. Yeah, it was the 29th, so it was two days ago, or two practices ago. Lucas Van Ness getting his first starter reps in camp alongside Preston Smith was at was on July 29th. So it's been the last three practices, it's been Lucas Van Ness, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness. Uh, Ryan Wood says, Devontae Wyatt with two of the most impressive power rushes you will ever see in 1v1. Blew up Josh Myers with a bull, knocking him two yards on his butt. Myers won the next rep versus Wyatt. Later, Wyatt knocked Gene DeLance on his butt after beating him with a speed rush. Awfully good sign. So when, again, sometimes you read the tweets and you just kind of, you know, read it in a ho-hum manner. But the phrase that was used, I think it was by Nagler, was two reverse pancakes. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he just won. It means he literally threw the guy on his back. That's kind of crazy. I mean, that's it's not a my and, and we've seen Wyatt kind of do that stuff. There was a play... I want to say it was against Tampa or something. I think it was for some reason. The, the visual I have in my mind was against Tampa. But um, he had something similar happen. He didn't get to the quarterback, but he just threw a guy. And it was one of those like, holy. And he was getting like no opportunities. This was like in the fourth quarter. They finally threw him in there. He got like five reps. And one of them was just absolutely one of those jaw droppers. And you just wish he could have got to the quarterback because that would have been a highlight for the ages. Anyway, some more updates from Herman. He says, Van Ness gets his first reps with the ones. Love's com- Love completes short to Musgrave. Clark eats Aaron Jones on the second play. Dylan just ran over Quay Walker. The contact is coming in hot with the pads on. Miles on says, AJ Dylan running hard into Quay Walker. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have pads on today. Uh, Hotkowitz says, true fullback Henry Pearson getting a rep with the starting offense. Set lead. Uh, he set the lead block for Dylan. So that's kind of cool. We're, we're getting some serious throwback football with Tight ends, a massive running back, and a fullback leading the way. Ryan Wood says, Zach, Ta- Zach Tom getting first team reps at center. That's new. Yash and I'm in a right tackle. Ryan Wood was napping, I think. <laughs> we learned that a long time ago. Kyle Malzahn, fumbled snap between Josh Myers and Danny Etling. Yikes. See what I mean? Like, you, you just lost your job. Now it's, I mean, that could have been on Danny Etling, right? Maybe it was on Etling. I don't know. But I haven't seen. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Adling has, has had that happen before. Ryan Wood says, Sean Ryan went 5-0 and in one-on-ones, beat rookie Colby Wooden on all five. Good showing for him. Love with a great route to Watson. He's really mastered that throw early in camp. Two for two to start. Myers and Adling fumble exchange, third fumble snap of camp. Lou Nichols just stiff-armed Keandre Thompson into oblivion. And then Josh Myers uh, is back with the ones on the very next series. And the other reason I said it's not necessarily a guarantee with Zach Tom is because when, we, when they put Josh Myers back at center, they didn't put Zach Tom back at tackle. They kicked Zach Tom off the field. So it was Josh Myers and Yash Nyman at right tackle. They're trying different combinations. 
Myers back at center with the ones. Yash at right tackle. Tom now out. Love finds Musgrave on a little dump off for a nice pickup. Love has not been afraid to take the easy checkdowns, and I love it. Read option keeper for Love, but defense isn't fooled. Went nowhere. Jordan Love on a designed run, and Keyshawn Nixon was all over it. Another jet sweep with Jaden Reed, and he catches the defense off balance first down. Jaden Reed end around hits different. Uh, didn't pick up a ton, but he's so fast. Packers finally have a speed weapon running those plays. Enigbari and Hollins blow up a designed rollout by Clifford all over it. Crafty play from Jordan Love had nobody open deep off action fake. Stepped up and flipped it to uh, Luke Musgrave at the line of scrimmage for 10 yards. The type of improvisation uh, that makes you think Love learned a little something from Aaron Rodgers. Pop pass to Tyler Goodson, who is lined out wide. Defense all over it. Ballantyne with the stop. Carlson misses his first field goal, uh, field goal from 38. Fullback alert, eye formation with Henry Pearson. Daniel Carlson missed from 38, good from 45, and good from 47. So he started 2 of 3. Uh, the other two people that reported it said it was from 40 and not from 38. Uh, Huber and Wes Hodkowitz said 40. In red zone, Myers is at center. Tom is at right tackle. So again, there's that rotation. Trying different stuff. Love wide of Dobbs on an out. First miss of the day, 3 of 4. Love has fantastic protection and finds Musgrave wide open for the touchdown. Nice find by 10, 4 of 5. Love seeing the Love to Musgrave connection for a touchdown. Just gets you a little bit excited, doesn't it? Love incomplete to Watson, 4 of 6, nowhere to go on the play. Love corrects Malik Heath's position at the line, fades away and tries to find Davis, but the throw is a bit behind him and gains with a pass breakup, 4 of 7. Another read option for Love, Wooden and Douglas all over it. Red zone ends with the ones, uh, with Ford breaking up a slant for Reed. Uh, Herman says, Love hits Reed in the end zone, contested but catchable on a bullet, dropped by the rookie, 4 of 8 for Love now. Carlson uh, up again, misses from 50, good from 48, and makes it from 52, so he is 4 of 6 on the day. After another fumbled exchange, this time Josh Myers and Sean Clifford, same center, different quarterback, Clifford throws a pick right to Jonathan Owens, and per uh, Eversall, it was tipped at the line. So Josh Myers has two fumbled exchanges now, and then Clifford follows that up by throwing a pick right to Jonathan Owens. So, yeah, the offense, just in general, is, is beyond crumbling. And, and the bad part about stuff like this, you look at it and say, well, the defense, I mean, you expect the defense to be good. The defense being good has nothing to do with overthrowing the ball, underthrowing the ball. Even balls getting tipped at the line are quarterback issues. Sometimes. Lots of times. Right? It's, it's not a good defensive play if you airmail a pass. So I don't mind the defense being better. I do mind the offense just playing bad. Uh, Tom back at center with the ones. Yash at right tackle. Pearson getting some legit looks at fullback with the ones today. False start on the offense. Nice run fit by Savage. No or minimal gain for Aaron Jones on the play. Van Ness, the primary edge across from Preston with the ones today. Love's pass was tipped at the line. He is now four of nine. Slayton gets some push and tips a Love pass in team. Tyler Goodson up slow after a pass. Love likely sacked as the pocket collapsed, but throw complete to Watson over the middle, 5 of 10. Nice opening on the left side for Lou Nichols to pick up a nice gain. Mix up on a run play with Magoo, easy, easy stop for the defense. Magoo, nice slant to Crest. Cody Crest, baby. <laughs> Tyler Goodson limps off the field. Really nice inside run by Emmanuel Wilson, who takes a bit of a shot from Shamar Jean Charles. Magoo read option, but Phillips all over it. Packers have tried three read options today, and the Packers' defense stopped all three for a loss. Magoo's ball tipped at the line, but somehow, Cody Crest comes down with it. I'm freaking telling you. I'm not trying to hype up a guy. You know, I mean, you know how I feel about these these no-namers. But I'm saying, I don't think there's a single thing Cody Crest could have done better than he's done up to this point. And that probably goes for Bo Melton as well. I think the complication is, what do you actually do? I mean, I can maybe put... The only thing I can think to do is to move them up, but keep them below DeBose and Wicks, which would mean essentially just dropping Malik Heath. So as weird as it sounds, Cody Crest is already getting promoted, and it's a relatively sizable jump because I got to put him ahead of of uh, Jadakus Bonds. I don't have to, but I think I'm going to, and do swats. The question is, do I put him ahead of Malik Heath? And it sounds ridiculous, but it's like, Malik Heath's a new guy too. We only hyped this guy up because he had a couple good OTA days. Pads are on and it's all Cody Crest. So why would Malik Heath get preferential treatment? He shouldn't. And it's crazy because now Malik Heath, who, I mean, if, if we do run it this way, um, 
who actually looked fairly promising and thought could make the team, is now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I got to drop somebody else here. I forgot. Wide receiver 9? And it's crazy because it's like, well, I, I got to keep Tay Wicks and Grant DeBose up. And then you got Bo Melton. And then you got Cody Crest. I, mean, I think Jada Bonds has been decent enough, but it's like, dude, you're like wide receiver 12 right now. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, wide receiver thing is fun. And that's the cool thing about taking a billion swings because the, the, the chances of any one of those guys panning out is low. The chances of 17 different wide receivers, you know, getting one of them to pan out, it's not that bad. It's, you know, Brenton Cox with a couple uh, move pressures. Why do you say weird things? A couple move pressures versus threes in deep red zone. Anyways, Keyshawn Banks with a nice pass rush versus Telford. Goodson still with the team, but definitely a bit of a limp. Hopefully he's okay. Myers back at center with the ones. Yash at right tackle. Love throws a ball away deep to Ture in desperation period. 14 seconds to start the drive. David Bakhtiari a little shaken up, shaking his hand and walking around. Had to come out during team drill, working right now with the trainer. Love hits Watson on a quick out, now 6-12 on the day. Sets Carlson up for a game-winning field goal. Carlson drills the 45-yarder, now 4-7 of seven on the day. Packers bring an all-out blitz against Danny Etling, who throws a gorgeous deep ball to a wide-open Bo Melton in the end zone for a touchdown, who beat Valentine on the play. Again, there's freaking speedy fast Bo Melton just blowing fast past Valentine getting wide open for a touchdown it's <laughs> crazy two minute situation for Jordan Love down 27-24 minute five left zero timeouts ball around their own 35 to 40 yard line Love incomplete to Jaden Reed broken up by Nixon he's 5 of 11 on the day hits Dylan on a check down for minimal gain and can't get out 6 of 12 Tries to connect with Watson and gives him a chance with Douglas in great coverage. Incomplete, 6 of 13. Fourth down, and Reed had a step on Savage on a deep crosser, but Love overthrows it. 6 of 14. Tough day for the ones. Second day in a row, the offense can't get a first down during two-minute drill. 1 of 4 for Jordan Love in that drill. Tried to get Jaden Reed deep, etc., etc. Nagler says Packers defensive starters just owned the Packers offensive starters in two-minute drill so far, which is entirely expected. Expect to see the offense pick it up as camp rolls on. And again, I do expect the defense to be better than the offense, but we got to limit things like overthrows like we had in that last period, right? The offensive line getting beat by the defensive line, wide receivers getting beat by corners. Fair enough, but don't beat yourself. Danny Etling's turn, same situation in two minute. Complete to Malik Heath on a quick out to Malik Heath, eight yardish. Melton gets some separation on Ballantyne on an out, but Etling overcooks it. False start on the offense. Etling to Heath over the middle. Clock runs first down. Etling to Heath on a slant. Quick five yards, but clock runs. Etling find Wat finds Watts over the middle for a nice pickup on first down. Stops the clock on a spike with seven seconds left. Purposeful incomplete to burn some time. Um, Carlson misses the kick. Uh, doesn't say from how far. Five of eight on the day. That does it for practice. Wes Hodku had said it was a 52-yard kick. And as expected, the offense is doing uh, up-downs again. So, I mean, the big question every single day is, how is Jordan Love? This was another bad day. Just flat out. So that's all we got from training camp today. Why don't we take a quick break? Please remember to check out grassfedcooperative.com. If you're looking to get some high-quality grass-fed beef delivered directly to your doorstep, free shipping, please check out grassfedcooperative.com. Promo code PACKER10, capital P, PACKER10. Get 10% off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I want to start off by an article written by Wendell Ferreira. Uh, He wrote it over at ZoneCoverage.com, and the title is Analyzing Every Jordan Love Interception in the NFL. And I think it's important for, well, one major reason. One of the big dings on Jordan Love is the amount of interceptions he's thrown. His regular season stat line as of right now is three touchdowns, three interceptions. His preseason career stat line is four touchdowns, five interceptions. So that's seven touchdowns and eight interceptions in the preseason and regular season that we've seen so far. That's obviously a massive negative. But before we go through interception by interception, and I would encourage you to check out the article for yourself because it shows all the clips that you can analyze for yourself. But but let's just think about it for one second. Some of these games, he's being put into situations where he needs to make plays. Let's just say, for example, oh, I don't know, you're brought in the fourth quarter at the end of a game. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a specific example. I'm just trying to, to, to illustrate how he hasn't been a regular quarterback that's played through an entire season to where a touchdown-to-interception ratio would be as you would necessarily expect. The point is, context matters. Let's go through these and look at a little bit of the context. So, again, a lot of interceptions. And this isn't to say none of them are his fault. A lot of them are his fault, at least to some degree, if not the entire thing. First interception was thrown to Micah Hyde. This one was just a boneheaded decision. It's a lot like what you saw from him in college. And that was, he's trying to make a play. The the problem is, there's nine minutes left in the second quarter, and it's first down. He immediately starts stumbling after he gets the ball. I don't know if his foot got stepped on or he got tripped or what, but he starts stumbling around and decides to airmail one to the end zone. Floats in the air, Micah Hyde comes under and grabs it. It was essentially a Hail Mary on first down. So that was a bad one. It was his only interception, though, through two games in the 2021 preseason. That was preseason game three against Buffalo. He had zero touchdowns and one pick. The next was a regular season. This was in the Kansas City game. So um, he played, he had eight dropbacks week one against New Orleans because we got blown out so bad they let him come in and play a little bit. He was five of seven for 68 yards. So he looked good. Then last minute he gets thrust into Kansas City, and as we know, that went terribly. He threw the ball 34 times, completed 19 passes for 190 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. It was a 69.5 NFL passer rating. And as I've said on this play a few different times, it it was he was throwing it up to Devontae. It was a bad throw. It was. He overthrew Devontae. But he overthrew Devontae by about two feet. It was just out of, of Devontae's reach, and the corner was in front of him. So the corner ended up grabbing it instead of Devontae. It's not an excuse. It's still a pick. But the, the other thing is, and, and as Peter Bukowski lays out in this article, it was the right decision. It was a bad throw. It was third and 10, fourth quarter. You're down by 13 points. You got one-on-one against Devontae Adams. He threw it up to Devontae, and he overthrew it by two feet. So there's two picks. Neither of them are great. Then he doesn't get an opportunity to play until week 17. He comes in. He gets five snaps, four passes. He was two of four for 19 yards. Then he gets to play week 18 against Detroit. He's 10 of 17 for 134 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. You think, well, two interceptions and one touchdown, that sucks. That's true. But let's look at the first interception. There was a slant to Amari Rodgers. It hit Amari Rodgers right in the stomach. He didn't catch it. It bounces out, and the defender is able to catch it. That had nothing to do with Jordan Love. The next interception, he's trying to get a pass to a, I'm not going to say wide open, but to an open equanimous. And he gets smacked in the mouth right as he's throwing. Now, I think he does get the ball out right before he's getting hit. But it is one of those, oh crap, throw it as fast as I can before I get hit kind of things. And he got smacked right in the mouth, like as right as the ball left his hands. That was Royce Newman just getting absolutely worked. Now, could he have maybe just held on to the ball and taken a sack? Maybe not panicked as much, stayed more confident and throw the ball a little bit better? Sure. But it's a different thing than a quarterback just standing in the pocket and delivering an interception. So I don't necessarily think either of his next two interceptions were on Jordan Love. Bad protection and a bad catch. Then you come to the 2022 preseason. His first game against San Francisco, 
He is 13 of 24 for 176 yards, two touchdowns, and three, count them, three interceptions. What happened on his first one? He throws a pass. They're getting down by the the uh, the end zone. They're getting ready to score. Throws a pass to Tyler Davis. It bounces off Tyler Davis's hands and right into the defender who catches it for an interception. That is not on Jordan Love. So we can scratch that one. Next interception. It is a completion to Romeo Dobbs. The defender grabs it and rips it out of his arms. That's not on Jordan Love. And then the third interception looked like a little bit of an underthrow by Jordan. It was very tight coverage on Amari Rodgers. Matt LaFleur later said that the, the wide receiver ran the wrong route. You can blame Jordan Love if you want to, but I would remove that from the column or at least put an asterisk next to it. There was not one clean interception in that game against San Francisco in terms of just looking at it going, yep, that was a bad pick. His first two, they were, they were on Jordan. There's no two ways around it. Since then, not, not really. So those are all three. Then he plays against New Orleans. He's 12 of 24, 113 yards and a touchdown. Then he goes up against Kansas City again. He's 16 of 26, 148 yards, zero touchdowns, and again, a pick. This one really wasn't great. He, he, he tried to hit a guy, but he didn't account for the safety who came over the top and just plucked it out of the air. Now, some additional context, though. You've got a guy streaking down the field. He is open. If you can get the ball there before the safety, you've got to play. Here's the other thing, though. There are 19, you're, at, you're at midfield, and there are 19 seconds left until the half. He's taken a shot. Maybe he shouldn't have, but if he throws it to somebody else, which again, maybe he could have, you're probably still not even in field goal range. So you can call a timeout, you got 10 seconds left. Probably should have done that. But again, context is important. You see a guy screaming down the field, 17 seconds right at the, right when he releases the ball, and the safety gets there before the receiver does. Still Jordan's fault, I'm not removing that from the call. But again, context matters. He's not going to throw that ball in the first quarter, you know, with 13 minutes left. So, you know, there are still issues here as far as his interceptions. Several of these, at least half, need to just be wiped from the record. Half of the remaining that are his fault are his fault, but, eh, you know, kind of this, that, or the other. And then the last quarter are just picks. They're just bad throws, bad decisions. Anyways, I want to end it with this. Um, Again, I've said it a million times, and and I... I legitimately don't really know. I know of these people, but I don't ever listen to them. I have known of this person named Homer. I've seen him on Twitter. He's got like this weird hat on, and um, I don't see him much on there. Usually he only pops up when people retweet some kind of a terrible take. I think this is the first time, like today, that I've ever even really heard his voice. Maybe that's not true. Wildy's brand new. I just found out what Wildy looked like. It kind of blew me away. It's not what I was picturing at all. I didn't know much about Will. I'm just starting to learn. But I'm finding this stuff. Somebody somebody tagged me in it. That's how I end up finding these things. Homer and Tony. I don't really... Do. Tony is uh, apparently Tony Smith. Looks like he was a basketball player. So there you go. So they got a show and they talk about stuff. Uh, Wisconsin sports, I'm assuming. He's got, an, I guess, an ESPN radio show. And I, I so I listened to it and I'm like, all right, I got to put this on the podcast because I, I just... Don't understand the thought process. And as I'm going through trying to find this clip, I go to the Homer and Tony thing on Twitter, and they got a ton of clips, and I'm just listening, like, is this it? Is this it? And everyone I'm listening to, like, oh, that's so stupid. I got to talk about that one. What are we talking about here? But let's just start with this one. And because, um, again, we all have different perspectives on things. I want to play what he's saying and kind of give you my perspective live as he's saying it. So the title of this is, quote, if the Packers win eight games, Jordan Love had a good year. That's what Homer's contention is. Um, but let's just go through it here. And stunk, and it can if, still not if win. If the Packers win eight games, Jordan Love had a good year. I'll Makes say that. Little, but not, not necessarily. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, I think he does. If they win eight games, he has a good year. So, and I, I talked about this before. Where does this come from? Why, why, I mean, let's just think this through rationally. What is the thought process there? The Green Bay Packers, I mean, let's just, just be logical about this. The Green Bay Packers cannot win eight games with the roster that they have unless Jordan Love plays good. And if he's good, by the way, they only win eight games, presumably. Because if you think about it, he says if the Packers win eight games, Jordan Love had a good year. So if Jordan Love has a good year, how many games do you think they're going to win? Well, it's not 11. 
in his mind. And again, where does this come from? How many games did we win last year? Eight games. I don't think it was a coincidence that he said eight. His entire thought process here, I, I, I can almost guarantee, is the same as the national media, which is we only won eight games with MVP elite Aaron Rodgers. The only way we get back to eight wins is if Jordan Love plays at a really high level because that's what Aaron Rodgers is. What else could this possibly mean? And again, his co-host is saying not necessarily because why? Because there are a lot of teams out there that have mediocre quarterbacks that get to eight or even more wins. But apparently, according to Homer, who I would have to assume has spent a lot of time thinking about this, although maybe I'm way off on that, must have considered all his options and must have come to the conclusion that the Green Bay Packers roster is just kind of terrible and isn't capable of carrying a team with a mediocre quarterback. And again, this misconception comes from a complete lack of understanding of how woefully inadequate Aaron Rodgers was. And again, I don't care what the reason was. Well, it's because he broke his thumb. Irrelevant to the conversation. Why he was bad is different than that he was bad. I'm just stating that he was bad. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, period. Never been good, never will be good. That's silly. He was bad. Fill in the blanks of whatever excuses you want. I don't care. It's irrelevant to the conversation. He was bad by every possible metric in existence. Again, I think his, his PFF grade is like the one thing that gets him close to being top 10. Other than that, it's, it's not even top 20 in, in most of these metrics. But let's continue with his thought process here. I mean, other than being hurt, not playing games, they, they win eight games. Year, and they could win eight games. You think so? If well, then, but then. Plays, if defense but, plays lights right, out. But then yeah. mediocre is a good year given all the other things. I'm factoring yeah, in, of course. You can't, sep- you, you're right. you can't separate the two. Like, it's the, it's the team. Like, if the defense has to do their part, the offense has to. That's exactly right. It's the team, and he fully understands that. But he's making judgments about the team. He has to be, otherwise, this doesn't make any sense. Why are you giving a team projection based on what the quarterback is? Because you're, you're basing it on that projection plus the rest of the team. That's the entire point. But, I mean, I, I, don't know, I probably shouldn't even do it. But, I mean, just, just listen to this conversation. Win eight games. Jordan Love had a good year. Right. Uh, unless You're not really to vote we, on that. Unless okay. we'll, no, because, okay. again, it, it's too much depends on the defense. The defense, if they win eight games, uh, and let's say it maybe it's because the defense gave up, up, you know. Right. 14, 14 points a game. Don't know why there's an echo, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, so they're able to. It's on their end. Win eight games. But he's going to be required to do things, know. not to lose games. So when the defense plays well, can't lose games. If he loses he's gonna, games, he's going to be. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a. There's going to be a, a game manager factor. I mean, this whole conversation is just so stupid. Well, he has to not lose the games, dude. That's not being a good quarterback. What are you talking about? It's just. It's just. It's just. I don't I don't even know what we're talking about here. Anyways, I want to play the second one that I came across as well, and I think this will be the last one that we talk about. Um, I'll just, it, it, it speaks for itself. Here we go. It is 50-50. Keep my toupee on. That doesn't bother me. What bothers me is Jordan Love getting screwed by GM Goody by not getting him a veteran wide receiver slash tight end to throw to. 33% say yes, 67% say no. For reference, they did a poll, should we go get a veteran wide receiver, and, and they are stunned that most Packer fans are saying no. I, I just, I can't help but feel like there is a level of out of touch here that is surprising, I guess you would say, but but anyways. Oh, we got work to do. They're saying no? Yes. And again, we got work to do. Work to do to to what to educate people because apparently everybody's just too stupid to know what's good for them. We'll have to get some. We'll have to put it in historical so that we find out what other teams have done or if it is historical and that no one's ever done it or how few it is. Uh, maybe that will convince them. They probably need some facts to defend. Yeah. So they just need facts they just need this reminds me of the the united states government it's here's what you need to do no i'm not going to do it oh well then you must just be too stupid let, let me give you some data and then you'll want to do it no 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 nope that's not it i promise you that's not it you're just uneducated you just don't know any better couple problems here number one i don't give a crap 
I don't know why people think that argument's so convincing. They, they keep saying stuff like, no other team's done this. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's unprecedented. Okay. What does that mean? Well, just nobody's ever done it in history. So that should tell you something. What does it tell me? You tell me what it tells me. What does it tell me? It tells me we have to go get a veteran wide receiver. Why? Who? Which is the other part of the equation. Who are we going to get? Again, it's, it's, it's upsetting that this is such a casual fan narrative that is coming top down to the fans. We need to go get a veteran. Go get who specifically and why and what is the benefit? Because if we get a guy like Sammy Watkins, everybody's going to throw a fit. I'm sorry to tell you, there's nobody out there better than Sammy Watkins was. There's nobody out there. They all suck. They all suck. But again, another, another issue. The assumption is the guys we have suck. Christian Watson is garbage. Romeo Dobbs is garbage. So it doesn't matter if we get some old guy that's broke down and probably won't finish the year and he's going to cost too much money and we're going to have to spend money that we don't really have and we're going to have to take snaps away from guys that need the time on the field and need that, that time with Jordan Love to grow and, and so that we can be better at the end of this year and going into next year. No, we're going to strip everybody of that opportunity so we can get this old, broke-down, expensive guy that's terrible at football because at least he's going to be better than the garbage guys that we have now because history says we've never done this before and apparently that's, that's all you need to know. Who cares what history says? Who cares? That's not an argument for anything. What is the problem with what we have? What should we do moving forward? And what is the better alternative? List the positives and negatives. And the position of being screwed. Maybe they think that's too strong. Um, uh, they're not setting him up for success. Yeah. They're making it more difficult. All. Right. If he sucks, he, if he has sucks, one of the reasons will be they didn't give him any help. Okay. He just said it. They both just said it. If Jordan Love sucks, one of the reasons will be his receivers suck. He has no help. Musgrave is useless. Tucker Craft is useless. Josiah is useless. Christian Watson is useless. Romeo Dobbs is useless. Jaden Reed is useless. Samori Ture is useless. Aaron Jones is useless. A.J. Dillon is useless. They're all useless. He has no help. And so, again, what is the alternative? Who can help him? Who would be a big help? Should we go get Devontae? Should we ask the Vikings if we can get Justin Jefferson? Maybe they'll give us the rookie that they got, Addison. Although, what's the point of that? If Jaden Reed's no good, why should we go get Addison? Apparently, rookie wide receivers are useless and no help. Right? That's the whole problem is that they're young, so we got to go old guys. Okay, well, can we, can we ask the Detroit Lions for Amon Ra, maybe? Maybe we could talk to the Bears and see if we can get DJ Moore away from them. What do you think? Should we see what Tyreek Hill is up to? See if he wants to come out this way with all that money that we don't have. What, what, is, what is the solution that you're offering here other than go get a veteran? Go get a washed up, terrible football player with nowhere near the potential of the guys that we already have. For whatever reason, I don't know because history says nobody's done it, so we shouldn't do it. Is this seriously what we're saying right now? This year. Uh, yeah, but they're looking at it like, you know what? We got a lot on defense we got a lot of first rounders on defense so we'll help them with the defense we're not going to help them with the offense yeah we're not going to help we want we're not going to go get christian watson we're not going to go get Jaden reed we're not going to get romeo dobbs we're not going to draft two tight ends we're not going to pay aaron jones to stick around we're not going to do any of those things we have no interest in helping him on offense screw him we're doing nothing on offense we're going to help on defense and then we're just going to do nothing on offense. Those things I listed are useless. The things that matter are getting overpriced, washed up, broke down old guys that can't play football anymore so that when we go get them, everybody... And by the way, I'm assuming these are the people right here who would piss and moan about it. It's the exact same people that did it last time. We need to go get a wide receiver. We go out and get a wide receiver. Not that one! Which one?! Which one? Julio Jones? The guy played seven snaps last year. He was hurt all year. He hasn't done jack. It's, it's just such a stupid conversation. What are we doing? We do what we always do is we want to develop guys, and that's going to take a while. Unfortunately, uh, Jordan, for you, these guys won't be ready for another three or four years. What? What do you mean three or four years? Why does it have to take three or four years? And if it does take three or four years, why do you want to stunt it even further? How long do you think these guys are going to stick? I mean, seriously, how long are these guys going to play for? So, so it takes 
Four years to develop a wide receiver. This is news to me, by the way. Four years to develop a wide receiver. But we're going to stunt their growth even further. And when do we develop these guys? So we're going to go out and we're going to get veterans, right? Okay, so our young guys don't play very much. What do we do next year? They still haven't played. They still don't have an experience. It's still going to be several years out. Do we just keep keep going with it? It's going to take six, seven years to develop these guys at that rate. Is that what you want to do? So that what? We can win now? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to win now? Are we in win now mode? And we're stuck with all these crappy wide receivers like Christian Watson, who was actually one of the better wide receivers in all of football last year in his limited time. We're not going to even explore that. We're just going to shove him in the closet and go get some veterans. Should we go get Julio? He's only 34. He's still out there because nobody wants him, but he's still out there and he's a big name and he's, you know, stuff can happen. You can get Jarvis Landry or Nikhil Harry. Hell, Sammy Watkins is still out there. He's only 30. I mean, if he could stay healthy, who knows? Amari Rogers is now free again. You can go get Jay Kumaro. Andre Roberts, he's only 35. Quintez Cephas, he runs like a 4-9. J.J. Koski, Rodney Adams, Thomas Hennigan, Willie Johnson, Christian Wilkerson. Hey, T.Y. Hilton's out there. I'm sure he's a freaking stud. That's why nobody wants to pay him any money to play football anymore. Ola B.C. Johnson, Javon Wims, Drew Estada. Ever heard of that guy? I sure haven't. But he's, you know, he's older. Javon Wims is 28. That's at least old. If old is what you're looking for, go get Andre Roberts, dude. He's 35. Since all that matters is old. The, the, what I, all I want to happen is to have some kind of an intelligent conversation about things. If you're going to present a problem, present a problem. They haven't presented a problem. If you're going to present a solution, present a solution. They have not presented a solution. Not in any real sense. He has no veterans, okay? What's the problem? Well, it's never been done before. Okay? What's the problem? Well, they're young. Yeah, we're, we're talking in circles here. Describe to me the actual problem that will happen this year. Well, they might be a little bit off and, and have some uh, communication issues. Okay, is that different with a guy that's never played in this system before, who shows up like a couple weeks before the season starts, who has not been in the book like the guys that are, that are on this team have been in the book? Is he somehow going to learn the offense faster than the guys that know the offense? They're going to get on the same page, even though Jordan Love's been working with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs now for two years. They work together all offseason out in California and everything else. They've been working together all off-season, I mean, uh, during the preseason and training camp last year and this year. But yeah, we'll, we'll, bring in, uh, we'll bring in Jay Kumaro, and he'll just pick up the offense real fast, and we'll be off and running. We'll go get Kenny Galladay, and he'll just figure stuff out, and, and he'll be on the exact same page as everybody else. He doesn't have a ceiling at all, unlike the guys that we have on this team, like Jaden Reed and Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, those guys, they might have an actual high ceiling. Maybe they don't, but we should explore that rather than going and getting someone we know does not have a high ceiling because their careers are over. We've witnessed that they can't play football anymore. Why do you want such a low ceiling? And, and, and it's not even a high floor. Julio Jones doesn't have a higher floor than, than any of our young players. Julio Jones doesn't play well, and he plays 18 plays a, a, a season. Because he's hurt all year. So, I still don't exactly know the problem. I mean, you're laying out claims. I don't know what the problem with those things are. They're young. Okay. Hasn't been done before. Okay. Well, since you can't seem to lay out what the problem is to me, at least not very clearly or in any way that I should care about, what is the solution to the problem? Well, if you cared, you'd go get somebody else. What? What? Why does it have to be somebody else? He went out and got people, which everybody's pissing and moaning that Gutekunst isn't helping you know, Aaron in the draft. And then we go draft a, a crap ton of wide receivers and tight ends, and it's like, oh, you won't even get a, a free agent. When did it pivot to free agent? I thought he was supposed to go get all these guys in, in the draft, and he did, and everybody's excited about him. Really high ceiling, really talented guys. They're doing a great in training camp. You know, Dobbs had a great start to the season before he got hurt. Christian Watson looked great last year. Jaden Reed is a promising player, as is Musgrave. Maybe Kraft. We'll see how it goes. Everything seems to be going fine. What is the problem? And at what point are you going to tell me what the solution to the problem is? And not just making assertions like, well, we need to go get somebody. What, what, what are we fixing, and how does it fix it? 
You're not going to have somebody that's on the same page with Jordan Love. It doesn't fix that. You're not going to have somebody that's more familiar with the system. It's not going to fix that. So all the growing pains that come with the young guys and with the young quarterback are still there with a free agent coming in to a system that he's not familiar with, with a quarterback that is young and inexperienced. So all the growing pains are still there. So what is the problem and how are we fixing it? Well, Jordan Love needs weapons. Okay, he has weapons, and and you stating that he doesn't is weird to me, but let's pretend that's the case. Who's the weapon we're going to go get? Do you want to talk about that at any point? Yeah, and we, we've uh, never done that before. Yeah, we've never done that before. We didn't do that to Aaron Rodgers. We didn't do that to... Right. Uh, I'd have to see who Brett Favre had when he first... Yeah, so there you go. No, no discussion of actually what to do. We're just going to make some snide comments about... You know, Gutekunst is screwing over Jordan Love. He's screwing over the organization. He's screwing over all these people. Okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I, 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 again, nothing was being stated here. And I find it hilarious, again, that two-thirds of Packer fans, you know, and again, you have a lot of people that are, that you would put in the casual fan base, which I know is generally seen as a as a, as an insult, but it doesn't have to be. It just means I, I don't super dig into everything. I just kind of watch when the game's on and that's it. That tends to be the category of, yeah, go do exciting stuff. There's a lot of those people in that poll and still two-thirds are like, no, we don't need a veteran. And there's two main reasons. Number one, we like the guys we have. Number two, we don't like any of the free agents that are available because they suck and they're not on teams for a reason. Oh, and then number three, the guys that we have need experience. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm just astonished at these types of conversations. And again, it's, it's, I, sh I shouldn't go after him for being snide because I'm snide and sarcastic. But at least give me something. Say something. So anyways, I guess I just wish we were better at making cases and having quasi-intellectual conversations about stuff, you know, even slightly. There's so much just, what, what, what do you call that? It's like, it's not gossip, but it, it just has that sort of, like, empty, casual, just word vomit, you know? Just throwing around these wild accusations and just for, for whatever reason, I, I, you know, and again, backing up nothing. Whatever. I'm getting out of here. I gotta go to bed. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.